0: Thank you, Meg, very much, as always. Thank you very much. I invite your attention to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 will be in verses 8 through 11 this morning. Ephesians 1, 8 through 11. Uh, We continue to work our way through the back to the basics. That's our theme for the year. Uh, This quarter of the first half or first quarter of the year will be through the attributes of God. What is God like? Who is he like? And ultimately, what is he not like? And we'll go through that time at that point. I just want to say it is a privilege to preach the Word each week. Uh, I I can't tell you how many times it is an honor we go home and think about this. Friends, it is really a privilege to be up here to hear the Word of God. And I pray that as you listen each week, that as you take notes, if you're a note taker, that you take some time to really pray through Lord. Use these notes in my mind. If you're like most and you're just an audio learner, I pray that the 5% you remember after the sermon sinks in really well. Amen? And that's true. But we are so grateful you're here today. It's a privilege to be here with you. Um, you know, we've been going through this, this series the last three weeks or so. It's hard to believe. Uh, but this week's especially is one that I think in America has a hard time really taking root. Start my timer here. But, you know, I think it's so true what we're going to talk about. But I just want to say this is not in particular of anyone in this congregation necessarily what's coming. Now I really have your attention. But what is coming is epidemic, I think, in churches everywhere as the world becomes more prosperous. And I just want you to hear these words because it really goes to what we're going to look at in Ephesians chapter 1. But how many of you have seen these two pictures before? Maybe you've seen these up on the screen, the four spiritual laws and the purpose-driven life. You know, uh, there's always a phrase across these things. Many of you have heard this phrase before, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I've said that myself from the pulpit, and that's very true. But most of us are very familiar with that. And Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life, came out, uh, I think, about 12 years ago now. And it's true. God does have a wonderful plan for your life. And aren't you grateful for that? Amen? That's a great thing. But having said that, though, we have to be cautious, especially in an American context, in a fluent American context, that God's actual plan for your life and your idea of God's plan for your life may not be one and the same. Many of you have experienced that. Many of you are experiencing that. Because your idea, my idea, our idea of God's wonderful plan may be a home in the suburbs, a good job, good health, you never get sick nasally like I am today, and a good church where you have many good Christian friends, right? But God's actual wonderful plan for your life, not always, but possibly could be financial pressures, a difficult marriage, a debilitating disease, children who rebel, or often other unforeseen trials. That's not going to sell very well, is it, in most stores? Psalm 119.71, great verse to commit to memory. If you're, I, I encourage you to commit this to memory. It is good for me to, that I have been afflicted, the psalmist said, that I may learn your statutes or decrees. Friends, God's actual wonderful plan for your life, my life, our life, may be that you move to a difficult part of the world Not even necessarily a a third world country, but somewhere that's entrenched in a non-Christian religion or area, and to take the gospel to those people. Some of you live there now, perhaps, and you will have to learn a difficult language, a new way of living, and a strange culture. You may have to put up with corruption, ineffective government, daily power outages, and may I even say no Wi-Fi. That's hard for a lot of us. And there you could even deal with lack of medical facilities, lack of modern medicine, and the opposition from the local people. You could have difficulty rearing your children and educating them. And and although you're serving God in a a difficult place, your family could come down with disease or other trials. Wow. That's hard, isn't it? told you, this doesn't work very well in most American contexts. But friends, while people here are building equity in their homes, and that's not a bad thing, Retirement portfolios or cruising America's national parks and RVs, you may be called to not have your own home, and your retirement portfolio may not have any substance whatsoever. That may be God's actual wonderful plan for your life. I think of the Pony Express riders. I don't know if you're a history buff. I love history. Remember those old Pony Express riders? You guys remember those signs? If you're willing to risk death, if, you're, if you have no family, you guys been up to St. Joe before or seen the Pony Express Museum, some of you guys? You know, what did they say? We want people who are willing to lay it all on the line. That may be the wonderful plan on your life, but the question is, is that the kind of God you want to serve? Is this how you view God's character? You say, Darren, you're a Debbie Downer today. Well, guys, let me just tell you this way. This is the big idea. This is such a back-to-the-basics truth. God's plan is for His glory in this world, not for your ease or my ease or our church's ease or easy living. Rick Warren's A Purpose for your Life is a phenomenally popular. As long as you understand it from God's perspective that's up on the screen, it makes perfect sense. But if you do like most people have done, and Warren necessarily didn't do this, but if you tweak the message a little bit, then you use God to help you reach your goals, and you have a perverted biblical message. Do you see the difference? How easy a twist can make it. But if you understand that God's purpose for your life, Christian, here today is not a great 401k, although it's not sinful to save for retirement, you should. It's not bad to take a vacation. Please take a vacation. But if you remember that it is all about God's glory in this life, then that changes your perspective on most things, doesn't it? It really does. If you want to live a few years on this earth, then you must bring your life under the lordship of Jesus Christ and not say, Lord, my will be done, but Lord, let your will be done through whatever you call me to do, even if that means hard times. That's not going to make the best sellers Christian top 10 list, is it? Very much. Not true at all. It won't. Friends, we've been studying the last few weeks. Week one, we looked at why study God, because he's the only one we can boast in. Two weeks ago, was that the snow week two weeks ago? I think that was two weeks ago. We looked at God is one, the Trinity. And last week, we looked at God's independent. He doesn't need us So why talk, if God doesn't need us, if if this could be the wonderful plan for my life, is this really hard Christian life, then why even try? Because God does have a plan for you, and here it is. Here's our purpose today in Ephesians, God's plans and purposes. Friends, we're going to see, first off, that God has a plan for all time. And the second point, in his grace and wisdom, God has given us knowledge and, and wisdom to know that plan. And here's the awesome part. This is why we are a gospel-centered church. That plan is completely, totally, and and utterly, if you want to use the cow joke thing, utterly, in God's plan summed up in Christ. And you know what it does for us? Fourthly, we'll see in the verses, it leads to submission. Wow. Guys, is your gospel here today, is your God here today one that magically bestows upon you whatever you wish him to Or is he the one who you can say, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to have all the latest gizmos. You might be, God, you might have me be like the pastor and have the same smartphone for four and a half years and it finally dies and you get a new phone. I don't know. Friends, what it is. It may be your your life is completely different than how you thought about it. But friends, I'm here to tell you today, if you follow this God, your life will not be easy, but you have the presence of the one who can only go with you everywhere. And I don't know about you, but that is the greatest blessing to me is that He goes with us. That's where we're at this morning. Will you join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, if you're able? Uh, We'll be in uh, the book of Ephesians. And I pulled out the Pew Bible today just as a reminder to let you know that we do have these available. We're on page 976 in the New Testament. We'll be reading out of the ESV version this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes this. We're we're cutting in mid-sentence here. Which He, that's God, lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, And making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. That is Christ. Things in heaven and things on earth. In him, that is Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. You know, I think it was... uh, I think it was D.A. Carson, one of those smart, smart guys that said, if we could take out the whole Bible and only have one section, he would take this first chapter of Ephesians right here. Because, friends, this is where it's all about. This is God's plan. Who is this God? What does he have planned? That's what we're going to look at today, and how you and I and our church fits into that plan. Let's go before the Lord as we pray. Father, we come before you today knowing, trusting, and believing that you are the all-sufficient, all-knowing, all-planning God Father, I thank you that you often give us so many blessings. Father, many of us here, most of us, I think all of us, have a roof over our heads. Thank you for the simple blessing. I think of Richard, who always prays at prayer meeting, just thank you for the roof that we have. Father, how often we we take that for granted. Father, thank you that you've given us, even through hard times, the ability to know you as you are. Father, thank you that it's not drudgery to follow you, but it is absolute, pure, unobtainable joy that is only found through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray for anyone in this room who's struggling just to see where your hand is in their life right now. Lord, I maybe that's medical, maybe it's relational, maybe it's, uh, uh, I don't know, Lord, it's financial. But Lord, I pray that as we seek you, that as each person here seeks you, that we would remember that you are the one that we are to follow, even if it means going through the landmines instead of taking the bridge over them. Father, you are sufficient. We thank you for that. Thank you for your word this morning. May you bless the reading, hearing, and doing of your word. We pray in Jesus' name you may be seated. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. You know, this is a, I'll be honest with you, this is a very tough passage to to preach through because there's so much you could go through here. Uh, There's so much you could say. But friends, I just want you to know that God does have a comprehensive plan for this world. I hope that excites you this morning. I hope you're you're excited that God doesn't wake up and say, ah, what are we going to do today, world? And And you fill in the blanks. I'm glad that is not our God. That can work for most people, especially college students, but it doesn't work when it comes to the God of the Bible. Amen? That is our God. First thing I want you to see, God has a plan for all time. And God has, the first step one here is God has a plan, and he has the ability to carry it out. I'm going to read through some scriptures. I just want you to jot these down and look them up later if you want to take down the reference. First is Job 42.2. God says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Can you imagine if you set a plan and no one ever stopped it? Now, some of you do set plans and no one stops them. That's, that's neither here nor there. But can you imagine that everything that you set out to do, you accomplished it? Husbands, imagine everything you wanted to do, your wife never told you no. Wives, imagine the opposite. Every shop, if you were a shopper, you wanted to go shop at, and you got to shop and spend and get everything you wanted at all time, no one could thwart it. How would you feel? feel pretty good wouldn't you yeah yeah, wow that's right that's about what you can say friends how much more in a godly sense this god has a plan he's going to stick to it psalm 103 19 psalm 103 19 the lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all psalm 115 3 but our god is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases don't let that scare you our God does whatever He pleases according to His perfect faithfulness, according to everything. Remember, as we study who God is, we are not piecemealing together little attributes here, little attributes there. God's love is not greater than His faithfulness. His, his justice is not better than his, his mercy. They are all equally balanced together, and that's why we can say amen, because He does whatever He pleases, is a comfort to you, because it's balanced out with all of who He is. Daniel 4, 34 and 35, Nebuchadnezzar Uh, You may remember the story. Nebuchadnezzar was humbled, and and God had him say this prayer after his humbling. Nebuchadnezzar, for God's dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing before him, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the people of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What have you? you done if you're not a christian here today if you believe you're so grateful you're here but this is why we preach the gospel every week church because someday when you stand before god you can never say to him i never knew god I, I, i never knew about this no one can say to you god why did you send someone else to hell because what can we say except god is god he's just he's given us every opportunity here on earth to hear the gospel every opportunity so if you're thinking through this, I want you to think about this. Some would say, well, Darren, if God plans everything, that means he's the author of evil, right? Darren, you're, history, you're a World War II buff. Doesn't that mean that, uh, that, that God willed the evil to happen through Hitler and Mussolini and, and whoever the Japanese guy was? I forget offhand. But the Bible is clear that God did creed. He planned beforehand what will happen in history. We have to believe that, folks including such evil events? Let me just list a couple for you. Do you think that God didn't know that Christ would die at the hands of evil men when his son was crucified on the cross? Yeah, he was. God willed beforehand, planned beforehand the crucifixion of Christ. See Acts 2 and 4 for that. And also for you end time buffs, he also sets up the rise of the Antichrist. Now you say, Darren, what's the time? What's the year? What's the date? Are you all mill, pre-mill, pre-trib? Are you left behind, Darren? Are you somewhere in the middle? What are you? Friends, here's what I know. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back visibly. He's coming back literally. He's coming back just as he says he would. He's coming back in all power, and that's what I believe. You can slice and dice it. at the. Se- if you go to Midwestern Seminary here on a Monday morning and ask 20 seminary students when Jesus Christ is coming back, what's it going to look like? You're probably going to get 20 different opinions. I'm just being honest with you, but we do know those basic truths. At the same time, though, know that God has planned beforehand what will happen in history, but God is not the author of evil. First John 1 John 1.5. God declares, Isaiah 45.7, that he is the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord, he says, and I do these things. What about Amos 3.6? Amos says rhetorically, if a calamity, if a disaster occurs in the city, has not the Lord done it? God declares to the prophet here, he says, he's raising up evil, the, the, the Chaldeans, to discipline his people Israel. Say, so Darren, this isn't the God I want to follow. Friends, what you need to know is that God is sovereign over evil, yet he's not the offer of evil, he's not responsible for it. You and I still make real choices that have real impact. That's a good thing. We do. But you have to know that if God did not plan, did not know these things, then he ceases to be God. Do you see that? If God does not have a plan and he can not carry it out or will not carry it out, then we're just worshiping some images on a screen or or something like that. Christian, that should give you great hope that nothing you're facing today ever surprises who God is in the future. God does not have a plan B for your life, Christian. He's always had a plan A. And the question is, are you seeking him or are you trying to run off on your side? That's the truth of the matter right there. So God has a plan. God plans, secondly, 2nd second subpoint sub-point here, God plans according to his own good pleasure. Look back at verse 9 here in Ephesians. It says, he makes known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. According to his purpose. It's a good pleasure purpose. This is the same prayer that Jesus had when he was in the garden. He said, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. It refers to the fact that God does what he does simply because it pleases him to do so. Wow. But guys, this does not mean you're a robot. We said this last week. This does not mean you're Pinocchio, although I told you last week you can joke at my nose size. My, My family does. I have a Pinocchio nose. That does not mean, though, that God knows everything, that you are a puppet on a string at the beck and call of who God is. But you have to know that God does not determine his plan based on anything outside of himself. God is completely content, we learned a couple weeks ago, in himself. He doesn't need our help, yet he allows us to be helpers to him. Also, God did not look down through the corridors of time and make up his plan after he saw who would reject or see him. Friends, we believe that God did not base his choice on anything in us. Because, friends, what does the Bible say? Romans 3, there's no good in us. No, not one. There's none who seek after God. But aren't you grateful, Christian, that despite who you are naturally, despite who I am naturally, that God saved us despite us? Christian, aren't you grateful today that he didn't look at you and say, you're 0.5% better than this person, so you're on my team. But he looks at someone else and says, you're 0.5% less than this person. You're not on my team. Aren't you grateful? It's not like that kickball game when you're a kid that some of you still have nightmares about because I was that kid that they pick all the big athletes and it's down, to, it's down to the 55-year-old parent who just happens to be with the kids and the little kid me and they pick the 55-year-old parent because Darren's scrawny and can't run to save his life. That's not how God works. God does not look at you and, and save you because of anything in you. He looks at his son and sees his son and all those who put faith in his son will be saved. Let that be said. That is a great God. Friends, it is not a beauty contest. It's not a dog and pony show to get to heaven. I'm so grateful for that. Aren't you? I don't know about you, but I don't look the best like I did 10 years ago. I I have some pictures of me running in college, and just bear with me. Give me some grace here. My muscles were toned with my big muscles And I look at those and I had like slits. I had a six pack and everything else. And I've definitely put on, and you're going to laugh at this, I've put on 20 pounds since I got married. Because I am not the same person I used to be. And some of you, with respect, are not the same people I used to be, right? And that's not a bad thing. It's not a beauty contest to get to heaven. It's God's planning that he sent Christ and all who believe would come to him. Third thing, God carries out his plan according to his sovereign timetable. Friends, this is why we can't put God on a timetable box. Harold Camping, uh, if you remember this, I think it was May 24th of 2011. I don't know what you were doing then. My wife and I were looking at her watch because Harold Camping, who's a false guy, said, God is going to come at this time, at this place. Do you remember this a few years ago? And wasn't it, uh, was it 2012? The Mayan calendar predicted that the world would end. Well, the world ended two weeks ago for some of you Chiefs fans still sultering over the Chiefs' loss. And the world won it for everyone else, and the world's won the World Series again, but the world did not end, did it? It did not. The picture that Paul is communicating here is of a great household of which God is the master, and he sets up everything in its time and in its wisdom. That's why Galatians 4 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so he might redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Friends, I am grateful that God brought the Savior into the world, Christ, at the perfect timetable. He promised to send him after Adam and Eve fell, but at least 2,000 years passed between that time, most likely, and before God chose to call Abraham out. And then from Abraham, of course, what happened with Israel, they were like uh, the mamba at at the uh, uh, Worlds of Fun over there. They went up and down, and they loved God one day and hated him the next, and God sent them judges and prophets and all these people. and And after all that Almost 2,000 years after Abraham, Christ comes, but know this, was God late? No. Was He early? No. Was God right on time, congregation? Yes. Why don't we trust Him more? Some of you are praying for so many things in your life, and most importantly, things that are right there, but I want you to know God sent His Son at precisely the exact time that His divine plan had. Friends, he is in charge, this God of the Bible, of history. And no evil tyrant, no bad political candidates, no disobedient nation, no sports team, no bad child, no anything can thwart his plans. And how excited that should make us. Friends, how exciting it is to know that God plans all things. He's never late. You can trust him, and he's never early. Don't rush him. He is this guy, this God cooking story for you. This would probably be me, but there's a story that came out recently of a man who had a New Year's resolution to lose 2,000 calories a day. That's what you're supposed to eat a day. So I don't know if he ate or not, but this is his story. So basically, the guy, he ruined a whole batch of brownies by leaving them in the oven too long. Guilty as charged. Still do that. And he'd been bragging about, he brags about all this news article about how he burned 2,000 calories without even going to the gym each and every time. It's terrible, I know. Friends, I just want you to know God's timetable is never burnt. It's never before. It's always right on time. Christian, can I just encourage you today, seek after this God. Politicians will fail you. Pastors will fail you. Yes, even pastors will fail you, but God won't. He's always there. And the truth gives us encouragement and hope, especially when we see frightening international events. The talk of ISIS has gone down, but friends, we we, we have threats coming across the board. When we talk about what's the state of our schools, friends, this gives us encouragement to know that nothing here surprises God and that those who really know God can trust Him through anything. Some of you are facing family medical things that are really daunting. You have family members that are very deep in the throes of life and death. You can trust Him. Some of you are facing some serious uh, marital issues where you really have to ask the question, is God still in charge? And yes, he is. But God is still in charge, and he does not allow anything to disrupt his plan. Pray, pray, pray. Trust, trust, trust. This is our God. Let's go on to the second point. God has a plan for all time, but here's the kicker. God has given us, in his grace and mercy, wisdom and knowledge to know this plan. Look back at verse 8. Pardon my uh, sniffles here. Look back at verse 8 which he, that's God, lavished upon us in all wisdom and all insight. Friends, we need to understand several terms here. This word wisdom is a general term that refers to the understanding of the true nature of things. Insight refers to practical discernment, to live your life right each day. In the context here, the idea is basically this. I'm going to uh, say it this way. God has given us the wisdom we need to get his plan in ourselves and to live it out each day. That's why the first application point for you in this is, if the world doesn't seem foolish to you, then the gospel hasn't become the wisdom of God to you. Because friends, if you're a Christian, this world is foolishness, isn't it? It really is. If you think about it, we don't worship, you know, you don't see someone down at uh, Zona Rosa, or I don't know if they do this, I don't think they do, but you don't see someone down at Zona Rosa carving out little wood idols to sell in the marketplace so people can bow down and worship them, do you? But if you listen to all the pundits out there, they say, we are as farthest along as we've ever been in humanity. We're the, the best time of ever in human history. Have you heard that before? Some of, you know, Medically, we're doing great. Scientifically, we're doing great. But if you're a Star Trek fan or Star Wars fan, we have not gotten light warp speed down, so we're not quite there yet. Friends, we live in a culture that's foolish because we think by these things, we can be better than the last generation. I'm telling you, if you're a Christian If this world is not foolishness to you, then you may not understand what God's plan is. Because friends, anything outside of Christ is foolishness. It's foolishness. That's why it says that God, in verse 9, God made known to us the mystery of his will. This mystery here is not some guarded secret. It's not the Fort Knox of theology. It's not a mystery religion. It's not vague or nebulous. Rather, what it means is this. This mystery is that God would take people like you, people like me, All across the world, red, yellow, black, and white, we have all become, through Christ, now precious in his sight. What a great thing that is. God has graciously revealed to us that we could never have figured out that only in Christ is there salvation. That is his plan. That is his plan. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul contrasts the wisdom of the world with those who don't know God with the wisdom that God displayed at the cross. And in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul said... Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are passing, but we speak of God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Friends, let me just say it again. We do not believe as some believe that God just woke up, was super surprised by what happened with Adam and Eve. Oh man, they disobeyed me. What do I do now? and conjure up a quick plan and spit it out. We believe that God has known before the ages of the world that Adam and Eve would fall, but eventually through the lineage of Adam and Eve would come one, Christ, who would save us from our sins. Do you realize, and I'm not against history, but do you realize that most of the people that you may listen to in the History Channel, most of the people on what's the uh, uh, Discovery Channel, is that it? And some National Geographic channel, the Bible experts, don't believe that God could have known anything. And if it happened to work, great. And if not, well, thats I just got paid a big stipend to help speak some false words on a show. Friends, I'm not saying you shouldn't watch those things. You should know what the opposition is saying against the Bible. But know that God's plan has been set for all time and it's been founded in Christ. Amen? Friends, here's the second application point. We want wisdom, and so here's how it works. God puts us in situations where we don't know what to do, and through them, we might become wise. Friends, even though God has given us wisdom and insight into the mystery of His will, such wisdom and insight is not automatic. I think most of you would agree, especially you older saints would agree, that you are not as wise, or you are wiser rather today than you were 30, 40 years ago. Would you agree with that, some of you older Christians? Are you grateful for that? I hope so. I hope that as we spend time here, as the Lord keeps us here prayerfully over many, many years, that God grows me in my preaching ministry to bless you. And like like Blake and and, and, uh, and Matt, I, I had to think about Matt's name for a second. But friends, I pray that you know that sometimes God puts you in super hard situations so that you might know there's nothing left but Christ and Christ alone in your life. Sometimes it takes the floor falling out, doesn't it, in your life for you to know and trust that God is sufficient to meet all your needs, to meet all our needs, and he is. This God has a plan for the ages, and he's graciously given us the wisdom and insight to know this plan. Let's move on to the third point. That's a quick point, but let's go on to number three. God has a plan for all time. In his grace, he's given us wisdom and knowledge to know that plan, and that plan is summed up, is totally summed up in Jesus Christ. Now, many of you may not have that word here, but uh, if you look back at your text, the word sum up means to bring together or gather up in one. It implies that things were before in disharmony or disarray. It was a mess before. But the idea here is that God is bringing together these pieces that are just kind of going crazy and will be now renewed and unified under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, some, someone at. Well, I won't chase that rabbit. We'll save that for another time. If you want to do an Ask the Pastor whether there are dogs in heaven, you can ask that pastor question. But let's just say this. Friends, all creation someday will be renewed. Everything. Read Romans 8. Everything that God has created someday will be renewed. Someday will be renewed. I will, I'm just going to show my youth pastor here, old youth pastor skin. Some of you remember that song. It's a big, big house. Lots and lots of rooms. Some of you know that song. A few, a few uh, people are saying that. You know, friends, here's the thing. We don't know exactly what all will be in heaven, but one thing we do know is that Christ will be there, right? And whether we have a big, big house or a big, big shack or a big, big backyard, I don't know. Whether we play football or whether we eat food all day, the one thing I know is that it has been finally, completely summed up in Jesus Christ, right? And that is what it is. Do you want the Bible in one sentence? Here it is. The Bible in one phrase. It's God's kingdom through His covenant, for His glory, through Christ. Everything's going to relate to Christ. Will there be dogs in heaven? <sighs> Boy, um, let's have that talk another time. Will there be Playstations in heaven? I've, I was asked that by a youth one time. I don't know, but I have a feeling probably not. <laughs> Will there be cars in heaven? I've asked that, been asked that before. I have a feeling probably what? Probably not. If we're surprised, we're surprised. But friends, what I want you to know, we said it so much here the last few months, but please know this, it is all about Christ in heaven. It is all about Christ. It's all about Christ. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring offense to you with that, but I just want you to know that our salvation will be perfected one day. Christian, these struggles that you have right now with the world and your sin will be eradicated in Christ. You know, we have eternal rest from conflict. I'm so grateful. I am looking forward. Can I just say this? Look, we have distinctives as Baptists, and we need to hold those distinctives to a certain degree. But I am grateful that God is not just a Southern Baptist. Look, we have to be very clear on what salvation is. We have to be very clear on what the Bible says. We have to be very clear on those things. But friends, I am grateful that salvation is not found in the Southern, just in the Southern Baptist church. Amen. Now, where does it? Where do we draw that line? That's a whole sermon for another time. But what I'm saying is this everything of God's plan has been summed up in Christ. That's why as a church, we don't need to put the blinders up. We don't need to barricade the door to keep everyone out and just have this homogenous group of people because the church is represented by every tribe, every race, every nationality, and it is summed up in Christ. This does not mean as some teach, though, let me be very clear here, this does not mean as some teach with respect to our friends in Unity Village, about 10 minutes from our house where we currently live, this does not mean that everyone will come to know Jesus Christ. Have you all ever heard of the term universalism before? Universalism. It basically teaches that no matter where you are or what you believe, no matter what you've done, whatever, that as long as you die, you go to heaven. Friends, that is where Tom and Jerry cartoons got the wings on the angels, if you, if you want to say such a thing. Friends, we believe very specifically, don't we, that salvation is found in who? In Christ. Do we add to that? No. Do we subtract from that? No. It is only found in Christ and believing in Christ. Every day, as Matt read, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, whether that's willingly or forcibly, according to Philippians 2. That is what will happen. I was was talking with, I used to meet with, um, I can't think of his name right now, it doesn't matter, but the gentleman who runs the Unity Temple on the plaza. Uh, former used car salesman that's always a, a tricky trade but uh, you know I used to meet with him every every week during the summer of two thousand and six and he just looked at me one day and he said, darren, I just cannot believe just cannot believe that you would tell people that Jesus Christ is the only way that's why we embrace all faiths he said you can believe what you want but as long as you believe it sincerely, then you clearly must have enough to go to heaven or nirvana if that's your thing or or if it's a Uh, you know, if it's Field of Dreams and it's a baseball uh, diamond in the sky, if you build it, they'll come. He just basically said, doesn't matter. Why are you so narrow-minded? Why are you so bigoted? He said, what denomination are you? I said, I'm Southern Baptist. He said, ah, that's the problem. I said, no, that's not the problem. The problem is the Bible says something to what you're teaching, and both of us can't be right. I don't know about you. I am grateful that the Chiefs and the Patriots, I have wanted the Chiefs to win, okay? But, friends, I am grateful that the Chiefs and the Patriots didn't say, we tied, we're both going to win, and there's not going to be a champion in the Super Bowl. Aren't you grateful the Royals just didn't bow down and say, Mets, let's do this together? Sounds silly, doesn't it? But, friends, when it comes to who Christ is, we can't say there's going to be multiple winners of this thing called religion. It is either Jesus Christ crucified, risen from the dead, or it's nothing, isn't it? It is summed up in Christ. That's why you'll see that first thing on the screen. God's kingdom through His covenant for His glory through Christ. The second thing I want you to see is God must often empty a church before He can fill it. Friends, a lot of churches uh, are dying today because the gospel has died in that church years ago. Friends, I pray that you pray for our ministers here, not because we're high and exalted above you, but because we want to faithfully tell you what it means to know Christ and not know Christ. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad you're here. This may be God's home for you. It may be. But we also know that God may call you to another church. But if you're visiting, can I just offer a word of advice? Don't go to a church that you never feel convicted under. Don't go to a church that doesn't challenge you in some way to know Christ better. Because, friends, we believe that when you know God as He is, this Christ, that He will challenge everything that you are. Challenge everything that you are. Here's one way it was challenged. Adam, go ahead and throw this picture up on the screen. How many of you have ever been Sunday school teachers before? Of any level, all the way up to high school, adults. You know, I love Sunday school. If you're not in Sunday school, uh, Dave Williams, this is our Sunday school plug right here. If you're not in Sunday school or a small group, see Dave Williams. Dave, you want to wave your hand back there? It's Mr. Dave Williams. He'll get you hooked up. He's a great man. Love his leadership. But Dave Donaldson, who writes a curriculum for Lifeway, wrote about a Sunday school event where he asked a teacher, uh, he asked uh, as a teacher, the young children, if they wanted to go to heaven. And, of course, what did every child's hand do, guys? Be honest. Do it with me. Let's do it. You ready? One, two, three. Hands up. That's right. Everyone but a girl named Susie. And Donaldson, Dave Donaldson, asked us. She said, Susie, why don't you want to go to heaven? And, And with a child's innocence, as only a child could say, nodding her head up and down, she said, yes, I want to go to heaven. But I don't want to go with these people over here. Some people really erode Heaven's Appeal, don't they? (laughs) Friends, the mystery of God's plan through all the ages is that everything would be founded in Christ, and that includes the church. This is why we send missionaries, because God doesn't know a certain, unlike what Hitler taught, God does not know a certain economic or race class. He knows only those who know him through faith in Christ. The bottom line of Paul's theology is this. All this should lead us to a point. God's plans are here. Let's go to the fourth and final thing. We'll end here. God has a plan for all time. God in his grace has given us wisdom and knowledge to know this plan, and God's plan is summed up in Jesus Christ. And fourthly, what does this mean for you practically, for us practically? God's plan leads us to submission, to submission. Friends, when we understand God's eternal purpose, it will lead us to submit to Jesus Christ as Lord over all. You know, you've heard us say this phrase, from diapers to decisions, we want Christ to be Lord over all. If all things one day will be under Christ and we will dwell with him in harmony in heaven, then it follows that we should now bring every area of our lives under his authority. God told us he has a plan for the ages. It's summed up in Christ. And we know, guys, this is certain. You know, we got a a check or a a retirement thing from a previous employer the other day. And some of you know this, the the stock market's been crashing. And I remember uh, in, was it 2008? We had the big recession, the great recession, some of y'all. I mean, I just remember uh, so many people being up in arms. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Friends, I don't know. But if God crashed the stock market around you and you lost everything, if this church doors had to close, could we still be Christians? Yes, yes. I know that sounds so drastic, doesn't it? But really, the, the, the truth is, we know that God will accomplish His purposes. And whether that means greatness for us, or that, worldly greatness, or, or that means we are humbled to our knees. Those of you who have been around Tower View for a long time, let's go back to 2001. I am so grateful for the leadership of the pastoral staff. Uh, Deb, I, I think it was 2001 when you guys were down to, what, 30? Down to about 30, 25, 30 faithful saints Aren't you grateful that God's plan wasn't to shut the doors at Tower View? But by His grace, it has been led up and to know Christ more and more through the years. Isn't that an amazing thing? What should that make us do? You know, most church experts 10 years ago would say, just shut the doors. Be done with it. Stop it. I'm grateful that someone stood up and said, no, we are going to preach the word here and keep it going because this neighborhood needs to be reached in Jesus Christ. Friends, every knee will bow someday, and we can trust him. It should lead us to submission. How should it lead us to submission? At least four quick things. First, it should lead you to submit to Jesus as Lord of your thought life, to Lord of your thought life. Romans 12, you must be renewed by the renewing of your mind. When sinful thoughts pop in your mind like a a, a, a pitcher throwing a fastball, you must turn from them and enthrone Jesus as Lord. It takes discipline to do that. As Paul puts it in Romans 13, he says, Let us behave properly as the day, not in carousing or drunkenness or sexual promiscuity or sensuality, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. Friends, I would just pray, how, how do we take this knowledge that God has planned all things practically? It starts with your thought life. You know, I heard a stat the other day, it's a very alarming stat, that high school boys are exposed to photos and videos on the internet of the opposite sex they should not see. More than 50% of the time, they're on the internet. That's scary. Parents, if you're here today and you have young people, can I ask you, uh, have you thought about putting a filter on your your internet so that those things may not come up? Gentlemen, have you considered that? Say, Darren, that means I can't look up certain websites. Praise the Lord. Right? Because that means that you're going to be walking in a holier path. Look, I'm not saying, you know, someone asked me the other day, Darren, would you go see this movie, that movie? Look, behavior that comes from the heart is pleasing to God. Jesus said that, so we must begin there. And it starts often with what goes through our head. Christian men, I would challenge you, if you are struggling with pornography, please know you're not an island out there in an ocean. If you have struggles with that, come talk to us. We're not magic workers, but we know the one who can do all things, right? Ladies, if you have a husband who's struggling with pornography, please know your marriage is not over. It's not over. But we do have to take steps to correct the thought life in that sense. How do we take this that God plans all things practically? It starts with our thought life. Secondly, it requires that you bring your priorities and your values in line with His Word. For many of you today, that may be the blank check that you have in your pocket. I'm just going to be honest. That may be some accountability, and I I know Steve Center is a CPA. Steve has taught classes on this before. Some of you say, I'm just struggling with making bad financial decisions. Steve, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I know Steve is is very well versed in these things and he can help. He's taught classes here before. If you have struggles with that, maybe maybe it's, uh, maybe it's health related. Maybe you say, Darren, I, I just really struggle with this. Friends, we're not trying to breed a perfect group of people. You're still going to trip and fall and sin, but by God's grace, have you really prayed about those areas you're struggling with and submitted even every little detail to the Lord? It's hard to do, isn't it? It really is be completely transparent with you. One thing we had to do when we first moved here, I've talked to a few people about this this morning. Uh, Our son, Simeon, I think most of you know has autism. Uh, I know uh, it's very hard. How do you deal with that? I just remember my wife and I sharing tears in the parking lot of uh, St. Luke's, uh, I guess St. Luke's South there off uh, Warnell Road or wherever it's at, 435. And just remember, what do we do? You know, most kids just get things. Our son just doesn't get things. And this morning, he's here today. He was walking up saying, hi, Judy. Hi, 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 Carlos. I don't even know if he's ever said Carlos' name before, Berlin, but he, he pointed him out. You just don't know. But we had to really check ourselves and say, are we praying about this every day for our son? He may not be okay or normal, whatever that means, but are we submitting to the fact that God has given us a child, and it's okay that he's a little bit different, and maybe it's okay that he struggles to learn a little bit. We had to submit that perfect suburban lifestyle, guys, just to be honest with you, to the Lord about, we have a different son in our lives. But praise the Lord, God has made him, amen? And God has made your children, families, if you're struggling with children running or rebelling, they have made them, and God loves them. But have you submitted every priority and value to this God who knows and plans all things? Third thing is this, we must enthrone Jesus as Lord. It also means that we must bring our schedules under His Lordship. Okay, pastor, this is a time where you're going to make a plug for all those needs that you have in the church. Well, sure. Thank you for allowing me the grace to do that. I appreciate that. Look, we have a lot of needs here at this church, and and I think Judy uh, does a diligent job each week in the office making you known in the front corner of your bulletin. But friends, it may not be just serving on another church committee or another church activity. It may be just how you prioritize your lives when you get home. Do you realize the average American just, I think these are old stats in my head, but I've heard stats before. The average American watches up to 20 hours of digital technology a day. Or not a day. Well, not a day. That might be a record, but uh, at least in a week. Some of you may have to ask this question. God knows all things. How do I get to knowing better? Maybe it's as simple as putting down the iPad or the iPhone. And just saying, Lord, I want to plan some time with you right now because you're the most important thing in my life. Do you hunger or thirst for your media, technology, the latest gizmos, more than you hunger or thirst for the knowing, the living God who's within your presence? Last point is this. We must live under Christ's lordship also means that we order our relationships according to his word. Order our relationships according to his word. Husbands, this means that you don't give up on getting to know your wife. This means that every day is a journey in knowing the woman that has won your heart and and whose heart you've won doesn't mean that you've got that check mark done and you're done getting to know her boy wouldn't that be nice that'd save a lot of money guys wouldn't it just being honest but we do those things don't we because christ is lord and that he calls us to know him as as our uh, heavenly lord how much more husbands should we do that and why is this means that you don't just give up on your husbands don't give up on us ladies please please do not give up on us there's a lot of work to be done in us, guys. Amen? Amen. That's a low amen. Amen, ladies? And that's even louder, so you know it's true. But some of us have to do what Paul says in Colossians, and I'll end with this. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave, so should you also, beyond all things, put on that which is the perfect bond of unity. Friends, uh, actually, let's close with this. All right, will you turn to James 4 with me? I'm going to skip my notes here. I've gone off track a little bit, and that's okay. Uh, I told Blake as we were praying in the back room over here, that's what cold medicine does to you. So Blake said, how's the sermon going to turn out? Well, here it is. So there, there you have it. James chapter 4, verse 13. I want to end with this. James chapter 4, verse 13. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. Very familiar verses. I think for most of you, but it's always good to be reminded of those things. James 4.13, That's on 10, uh, 1013 in the Pew Bibles. Come now, James says, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, for what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time then vanishes. Instead, verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, your boast in your in your arrogance all such boasting is pride so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it to him it is a sin friends maybe some of you today are walking perfectly in the lord's will and that may be very true but you know there are areas in your life that you have not submitted to the lord can i encourage you to do what james said here yes plan for the future please do not fly by the seat of your pants never gets anyone anywhere but usually in trouble right You need to pray about it. You need to talk about it, whatever your plans are. But I pray that you are faithful in the small things right now that God would have you to do. Whatever that is, would you pray for the wisdom and thank God that He has planned all things, but He's allowed us in His grace in Christ to know those things. You say, Darren, I want to go do this, that, and the other. Great. God gave you that passion. God gave you that vision. But have you submitted even now every part of your life to who He is? It starts right now. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that you're a God that does plan. You're a God that's not willy-nilly. You're a God that's not haphazard. You're a God that does not just leave us. You're not some theistic God that spun everything into existence and moved on to create the next mighty big thing. Father, you are intricately involved in our lives here today. Father, I just pray as we look at what it means to know you, there's so much we can unpack. Father, I didn't do those verses justice, but Lord, it's just... We pray that you would be glorified in our churches, and our lives, and our families. Father, may the greatest boast that we know as we learn the first week be that we know you and the one who is all together, three in one, the Trinity, all together the independent God that doesn't need us, but all together, the God who's planned all things. Father, we pray that in all wisdom that you would give us grace to know your will for our lives. But Father, may it start by just the simple, heartfelt obedience of a child and walking step by step, hand in hand with you. Father, I pray for any families here today who really are struggling, and I know there are, said or unsaid. Lord, would you just give them strength and patience and and draw people close to you? Father, I pray for any relationships in our church that are needing to be mended or repaired or just brought together. I just pray you would give grace to do that. Father, I pray for anyone here who does not know Christ, that by your Spirit as we sang, and oh great God, that you would show us and breathe that life into us that we can respond to the gospel. Father, you are so good. We love you. We praise you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.